marketing operations wasn't a function. And if you're gonna leverage data and technology and automation in marketing and to create better partnership with sales and ultimately customer success from a retention perspective, you have to have a better view of your data. You have to have a great data foundation. Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight, the enterprise revenue intelligence podcast for revenue leaders in, yes, sales, marketing, and customer success. Because we all share the same goal, revenue growth. Always more, always faster. We learn how to drive revenue as we examine real-life insights from multiple angles with human flavor since people buy from people. I am your host, Mariana Kogan, CMO and winner of the Forrester Marketing Program of the Year, and I will be joined by Art Harding, Season Revenue Leader. Hello and welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. In this episode, we will be discussing a very important data point. According to PeopleEye, on average, every company is sitting on 25 to 50% of dormant future two-quarter pipeline. That's a lot. And who better to help us identify actionable insights than my great friend, Jill Rowley. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Marianne. I'm very excited to be here. Let's get the ball rolling. We have 15 minutes to make this as practical and as actionable as possible. Jill, you have an amazing career. 10 years in Eloqua, then multiple roles as growth advisor for companies like Mercado, and currently limited partner at Stage 2 Capital plus multiple seats at Board of Advisors. Very unusual career since you have worked primarily in sales, but you are so, so highly regarded in the marketing community. As a matter of fact, we met through the CMO Empower community. So that's a very unusual combination. So tell us about your journey so that the audience can understand a little bit more where you're coming from. Absolutely. So I'll try to make it brief because it is a long journey. I started my career in consulting. So I actually spent six years in consulting prior to getting a quota-carrying sales rep role at Salesforce. So I was one of the first 100 employees at Salesforce, and we were creating really a movement, a quote, category around a new delivery model of software, software as a service. It was so exciting to be at a company, um, ground floor, my first quota-carrying sales rep role. During my time at Salesforce, Eloqua was a customer of mine. Yes. And it was what I saw as a salesperson was the connection of Salesforce automation to marketing automation, to digital marketing. And I thought about how marketing could help provide air cover for sales in this digital transformation. So I jumped to Eloqua. I was employee number 13 at Eloqua, and I really found my home. I say that I'm a sales professional trapped in a marketer's body, and my buyer was marketing. I loved helping shape the change of marketing from analog to digital, from creative to data-driven. And I was able to spend 10 years at the company really helping create new functions within the marketing organization. Marketing operations wasn't a function. And if you're going to leverage data and technology and automation in marketing 
and to create better partnership with sales and ultimately customer success from a retention perspective, you have to have a better view of your data. You have to have a great data foundation. Anyways, fast forward to what was next in my career. The next chapter was really professional speaking around digital sales transformation and how to leverage social networks in sales to earn the attention of your buyers and to add value. I had helped with careers and career development and marketing. I saw that sales was desperately in need of modernization. And so I was focused on that for a period of time. And then I went to Marketo and reported to our CEO. And what I did at Marketo was really bring the lens of the customer into every decision we made around go-to-market, but also the lens of the community and the ecosystem that surrounded our customers and the role that Marketo played in the ecosystem. And as you mentioned, now I do investments in startups through a venture capital fund where we invest in startups at that go-to-market phase where they're really figuring out how do they build their revenue engine? And then ultimately, how do they create efficiency? And how do they create a moat? So what is their competitive advantage, network effects, marketplaces, and advise other companies around modernizing their go-to-market to look more holistically around marketing sales, customer success, and partnership ecosystem. Wow, what a career. Let me go back to something that you mentioned that it's really important for all of us. You were talking about data. We've been talking about first-party data and what's in our, you know, in our systems, but are we ready for that next generation of really putting together whether it's partnership, whether it's a community, where is the network? Because I think as you and I mentioned just before we started the recording, if you think about maps, it was really groundbreaking maybe 15 years ago not being on your cell phone and being able to know how to get from point A to point B. Nowadays, that's not enough. You want to get there as fast as possible, but of course, without a speeding ticket. And the only way to do that is through the data we all bring to the table as to say, where is the policeman standing up? So what are your thoughts? How do you see all this developing where it's not enough anymore your own data? Yeah, it's not enough to have your own data and with change in regulation around third-party data, where Google and Facebook, those ad networks are getting locked down in terms of sharing of that data. And also ads are getting more expensive and less effective. And so what are the other sources of data that we can leverage to identify where our customers, what are our customers doing? What is their tech stack? look like today? Who are the service partners that they're actually working with to solve pipeline problems, to solve forecasting problems, to solve targeting and segmentation problems? And so what we're seeing is because there's such a proliferation of technology, the number of startups and stage C, D, E funded software companies is exploding. And it makes it very complicated for buyers to determine what are the pieces of the tech stack can they put together. Integration now in MarTech is the number one factor in a company's decision 
to buy an additional piece of software. If it doesn't integrate at a data workflow process level with their existing tech stack, they're going to find something that does. And so we need to look at not just where can we direct source pipeline, but where's the overlap in our ideal customer profile that we have mutual customers who are getting more value and that are stickier because they're using these three pieces of a tech stack. And where is it that of those, where are more companies like that who don't have all of those pieces of the tech stack? And so you're looking at a Venn diagram and saying, if company A, we share mutual customers getting a lot of value, if company A customers and company B, they're in our pipeline, then we look at that overlap and we figure out ways where we can co-market to that subset, where we can co-sell. And then we can also do campaigns where from a customer success perspective, we can bring different ideas to our customers to help them get more value out of this more integrated tech stack and wrapping service partners around that who have familiarity with those multiple pieces of the tech stack. Does that make sense? I think absolutely. I mean, you're talking about integration. You're talking about really being customer-centric. That is less we want to sell these, but more that understanding what is it that they truly need, what is it that we can supply with as we're understanding much better the landscape that is integrated, which kind of brings me to my next question that is, what is your recommendation for marketing teams as they are looking to review their marketing strategy? Because now we are talking about potentially a very different mix of tactics than what we have seen up until now. With COVID, we all moved to be extremely digital. So everything was, you know, more true about paid media components, retargeting, but that might not be the mix anymore. Tell me, what are your recommendations here? So let me tell you why the recommendations that I have are the recommendations that I have. One is we're seeing VCs make investment decisions in startups, in software companies based on partner sourced and influence pipeline. We're seeing VCs like Andreessen Horowitz not only make decisions on investing in companies that just don't have 100% direct sourced pipeline, but what is the health of their pipeline as it relates to partnerships? So VCs set the tone on making investments in companies. They're also making investments in companies that have built community and that think about the non-traditional channels of where their customers, their potential customers actually live and learn. And when you see VCs shifting their investment decisions from how are you doing on paid ad conversion? How many SDRs and BDRs have you hired? What's the click-through rates of your email sequences and cadences? We're seeing VCs say, look, there's a better way in the current environment of too much tech for customers. How do we put that together and think more holistically 
around ecosystem. The next data point is, well, VCs are actually investing in partner tech companies. So there's this whole partner cloud that is being built today. They're investing in companies that have not just sales development reps, but PDRs, partner development reps. They're looking at companies that say, okay, from an ops perspective, not just are you thinking RevOps, but does RevOps include partner ops? So these are data points that are telling me this is a way to modernize go-to-market. The results is what really matters. And companies like Rollworks, the SBB of Partnerships, Mike Stocker, he reports directly to the CEO. So it's not tactics around partnerships. It's strategy around partnerships. And they're seeing things like customers who are using four or more integrations had 135% likelihood to renew versus customers that were only using one integration. Census saw a 34% higher ACV on deals with partners. Partner influence deals are closing at a faster rate. Your velocity is higher than deals that are direct sourced. And we're seeing partner influenced deals closing faster than non-partnership deals. So those are the data points to take a different look at your strategy and then also your pipeline. A lot of times we're, like you mentioned the stat, we have unhealthy pipeline. It's not scrubbed. We're losing too often. It's low quality. There's not enough nurture within the pipeline to convert from one stage to the next. And so if we take a look at our pipeline through the lens of where can we partner? Where's the partner marketing that we can do? Where's the alignment of our sales organizations around co-selling with our partners? That's the lens that we need to look at our pipeline and our go-to-market strategy through, is through partnerships. How do you then deal with the concept of the quota? Because if you think about it, once that you're talking about co-marketing, co-selling, you can get a little bit protective and say, hey, I got this deal. I don't really want to be adding any more, one more person to the pie. So co-selling, co-marketing sometimes is complex because of that logistic. But also if you think about it from a marketing perspective, we made the transformation going from MQLs and leads into really opportunity, into really influencing the deal. But if we move away to more to marketing source, are we going to be comfortable with saying, well, we didn't potentially maybe source us as much in, as in the old you know, definition, but by now we're influencing much larger deals, higher quality deals, because we might not be the ones that, we're, that are sourcing them anymore, but providing really that air courage, events, you name it. But now it's really working together in quality versus quantity. What are your thoughts there? I think you're spot on. We first have to think quality, not quantity. Because if we're thinking about quantity, we're spending too much money to get pipeline that isn't going to convert. 
And it's going to put resources on opportunities that have a low likelihood to win and even a low likelihood to renew and expand. And so what I think we need to focus more on is I talk about you've got your inbound and you have your outbound. And what I am seeing is that influence, influence is the new inbound. And what do I mean by that? Think about where your customers are learning and who is influencing their awareness of new solutions and also who is influencing their willingness to actually go to your website. If you are in a community and you're talking about account-based marketing and you hear in that community three or four times a specific vendor mention, like Sense, and you're thinking about investing in your ABM tech stack, and you hear your peers, CMOs, mentioning the fact that they're using Sixth Sense, how they're using it and what value they're getting out of that, you're then going to go and look at, is Sixth Sense a good fit for your business? It's not the ad that you ran. It's not the SDR outreach that you did. It's the community influence that is driving potential customers to become aware and decide to actually take action and evaluate your solution. That is really, I always talk about your customers being your flywheel and where are your customers already living and learning and putting more investment into your customers and thinking about who do your customers already trust from a peer perspective, from a partner perspective? And then how do you build relationships with those communities and with those partners and take an approach to doing more co-marketing, right? It's 60 to 80% of your content should be generated in community and for the community. And this co-building of content and user-generated content through leveraging the voice of the community and the customer instead of just your brand, your event. How about co-marketing, running a webinar with a partner or multiple partners? So it's just thinking through the lens of not doing it just with our resources, but combining that with others where you've got that overlap in your ideal customer profile and thinking about generating higher quality, faster converting pipeline. Exactly, because that's when you get into the one plus one really equals three. And if you happen to have three partners and it's one plus one plus one, now you're in six and seven. And that's when that beauty starts happening. I cannot believe that we're already running out of time. I normally summarize my three recommendations. Now I feel like I have so many things that I could be saying, but the three lessons that I would like to have everybody taking is number one, as you said, you have to start with the data. 
And that data cannot be any more just that first party, but now we're starting to get into that, or not even the third party, but your second party, the powerful network, really getting to something much more complete and complex. Secondly, you're talking about integrations, integrations, integrations. You really have to make sure that the technology you're offering is integrated so that you make your everybody's lives much easier so that they can accomplish more. And then you really talk about partnerships and more importantly, that influencing is the new inbound. Love it, love it, love it. Jill, thank you very much for joining us today and thank you to our audience for joining us. Please share the podcast with your colleagues and comment on LinkedIn. Thank you, everybody. Hidden in Plain Sight, the Enterprise Revenue Intelligence Podcast is brought to you by PeopleEye. Make sure to search for Hidden in Plain Sight in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at PeopleAI, thanks a lot for listening.